This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Adrian and Adam, the A-Team. Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hey, guys. What is up, goons? How we doing today? And so it is Women in Horror Month, the 11th annual Women in Horror Month, and you might note that while I have a small penis that resembles a clitoris, I am genetically and anatomically ill-equipped to host this episode for Femme Fatale February. So for the first time in Slasher's history, I hand over the reins of this episode to Adrian. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you got to say penis at least once today. <laughs> oh, I'm going to say penis like 15 times in this <laughs> movie review. So much penis. Oh, God, dude. Well, I mean, okay, so let's go with the name of the movie. Adam, would you like to tell us uh, what the name of the movie is? Oh, is that, that's a ginger joke, huh? It is. <laughs> We're doing ginger snaps. You got it. I'm so excited We're... you got it. <laughs> yeah, this week we're doing ginger snaps, goons. It's a lot better than its contemporary brunette snaps. Yeah, and No one likes a dirty blonde snap. What I call this movie is, what if Daria was a werewolf? Gna, 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 gna. I, I, it's a silent G, but if I don't do that, you don't get the pun because it works in our notes internally, but not in an auditory medium. So that's my joke, and I'm <laughs> done for this episode. Enjoy, guys. Yeah, and there goes Jake. Actually, no, that's not true. I'm sure I'll chime in. But yeah, I know Ginger Snaps, which I think is a great start off for Femme Fatale February, right? So, and by the way, my kids hate it when I say February because I like to pronounce the R in February. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but. I don't like to say February. Well, on the topic of femme fatales, we have Eddie Izzard, who famously said that they pronounced it Herb because there's a fucking H there. And so I could definitely see Fred Brewery. <laughs> but then that means that I'm going to start using Wednesday. Oh, well, sometimes I have to say Wednesday. So you like I tell the kids to do that. So they remember how to spell it. I think that's super important. Like, Obviously, don't say that in professional situations. How do we feel about this for our kickoff for Femme Fatale? Do we do we like this title for that? Or is this, was this like a joke? I'm saying it's ginger approved. Okay. I pitched the movie because I think that this movie has aged remarkably terribly and remarkably well. Like, it is <laughs> oil and vinegar of like, hey, this this is fun. This is a great time capsule to, oh my God, this so Oh, no, it's good again. That's the whole movie scene to scene for me. <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I wasn't sure if like you were joking or not when you had pitched it. But I'm like, actually, I love this movie. And because it's on Tubi right now, I feel that everyone can watch it for free. And it's not like as inaccessible as I feel like it was probably like 10 years ago. Like not everybody knew or got it. And it came out 20 years ago now. 21 years in when? August? August 1st. Oh and my it's God. on two sequels that are also available on Tubi, Voodoo, and Crackle for free. Mm -hmm. And actually, I really I like the second one a lot too. I haven't seen the third one, but this is a great commentary, perfect feminist movie. The second one, hold on. You mean the entire movie that rips off the gimmick from American Werewolf in London where they're haunted by <laughs> the person who died? Okay, cool. I'll just make it sure. It's it's so good. It's so bad, but it's so good. Well, yeah, but I mean, come on. It's, it's a little different. The one where Bridget looks like Natalie Ambruglia? <laughs> is, or is it Ambruglia? <laughs> is, it a, a, is it a long G or a, yeah. I, I feel anyway. this one's more a Brazilian werewolf in Canada. If you catch my drift, <laughs> these are like some hairless hounds. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I love when she's uh, yelling at her sister. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's great. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it then. Should we should we start with statistics or should we go over the synopsis of the film and then get into statistics? But I really want to go through play by play of the movie. I don't think we need to do that. You tell us because you're in charge because you I'm in charge. have a misshapen penis and it's a vagina. Thank you. I appreciate it. Actually, fun fact, uh, did you know that all <laughs> fetus start out as female? That's why men have nipples. So I have a mutilated vagina. You don't have a mutilated penis. I, I like that better. That sounds better. Yeah. This month got real uh, weird real fast. It's not weird. We're just talking about bits and bits. Are you getting another episode? I can't show my mother. Yay. Woo <laughs> okay. You mean to tell me you didn't show her the episode where I juxtaposed her with cum? You didn't? That's weird. I am not. No, I did not. <laughs> 
I didn't bother sending her the link. If she wants, if she hears it, she hears that of her own volition. So uh, yeah, uh, uh, Mama Adrian, you can message me directly and scold me at Gacy Jones on Instagram if you want. I'll take it. I would be so amused. <laughs> I'd fucking print that out and put it on my wall. How dare you, sir? I'd be like, it's just science. She she'd be like, oh no, that's you shouldn't have said that. My mom's like super nice, but you you shouldn't have said that like that. Oh my god. But yeah, so if you think I'm the way that I am, my mom is like twenty times worse. But yeah, let's get into the the synopsis. Adam, do you want to read it? Right over here. All right, yeah. So we've got Ginger Snaps is a story of two outcast sisters, Ginger and Bridget, in the mindless suburban town of Bailey Downs. On the night of Ginger's first period, she is savagely attacked by a wild creature. Ginger's wounds miraculously heal, but something is not quite right. They get kind of furry. Now Bridget must save her sister and save herself. Is anybody else disappointed? Pointed that Bridget's the name and not Snap. If this was your 80s 16-bit video game, it would be Ginger and Snap. Like, never mind. Whatever. I just think it'd be so funny. Jam and Earl. I yes. get it. I get it. Yeah, it would have worked. Oh, my she God. She just walks around. Ooh, gonna stop my werewolf sister. Ooh, yeah. That's it. How about this? So it's a, it's a side-scrolling game where you alternate between Bridget and Ginger, right? And if you want to turn into Bridget, you have to take some of that purple juice. And if you want to be the other one, you just have to show your vagina to people. That too. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> it's like a tag team game. Sure. That would be a lot of fun. Like the Lost Vikings, but with furry vaginas. <laughs> I'm going to say vagina at least once every five minutes in honor of Women in Horror Month. Okay. Yeah. No, I, well, I think it's important that we do mention vagina because there is a lot of vaginal energy coming along here, which is why I wanted one of you to read it just to see if you guys could say period without squirming. So that was like my test. So I tested Adam and I guess we'll get it. I actually found an entire article about how this is a, a complete like total commentary and side by side, I don't know, sort of parallels with how women get their periods. And then all of a sudden they become like this quote unquote beast to people. Right. Are you talking about the Barbara Creed article? No, I am not talking about the Barbara Creed article. Oh, I'm talking well, I have about, an article just like that. I know. I saw your notes. How today. cool. Twinsies. <laughs> I know. So yeah, um, this one's actually called bloody fun, the menstrual horror of ginger snaps. And I'm like, Oh my God, are we going to be talking periods for a whole hour? Should this be like the vagina monologues or something? I have Dude. no idea, but <laughs> let, Patreon patrons, let us know if you'd like the February bonus to be us doing a dramatic rendition of the vagina monologues. I will, uh, I will literally produce the fuck out of that with a soundtrack, and I'll make a, a, a pamphlet like a playbill. Oh, dude, I would be so happy to do that. Okay, and and it definitely needs Jake, Adam, and Doug in that one for sure. So. My vagina is manstrating because I am a. Oh, I love it. You know, all the period talk here, at least, it, it's still nowhere near as bad as that fucking diva cup scene in Black Christmas. 100% what this man has just said is true. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially because we, well, we discussed this before that, you know, we were looking at uh, Black Christmas as, you know, as seen like through the eyes of, of what a man believes to be their idea of feminism. And it was just basically exploiting that, right? Which I don't feel that Ginger Snaps does because one, it was written by a woman. And um, I really feel like if you are a girl and you watch this, it does really hit home on some of the points that are very sensitive in nature, especially when you're going through puberty. And it's nice to actually see a, a female werewolf and a woman coming of age in a horror movie that's not as, I guess, meek, you could say, because if we look at other ones, we see Carrie, I, I want to think the other big, the other one that, you know, has a horrible period at the beginning and then all of these terrible things happen. But Carrie's very like, meek and scared and she's not very you know doesn't really know who she is yet whereas we have ginger who is the exact opposite so what do we think of what do we think of this is she a believable character do we like her what's going on with her what's great about Catherine isabel's character is she's the exact same character in like everything which is awesome she's really good at it adam i feel like a movie that is entirely a, a, a menstruation metaphor it pulls it off remarkably well and it's just amazingly watchable like it doesn't alienate anybody you don't feel like i mean yeah there's there's a bit of bloody stuff and talking about periods at the dinner table which is like okay yeah all right they're eating maybe lay off on it there but honestly it's, it's not bad it's maybe i'm just too vegan but like 80 percent of meals that have like eggs and stuff like that's menstruation like get over yourself you heathen 
dead animal liquor. That's a fair point. (laughs) (laughs) But no, uh, I I mean, again, just bringing back to Black Christmas and just saying being written by a woman versus being through the lens of a male on this whole very feminine process. It does really well. This movie deserves so much more love. Not that it doesn't get love, but it deserves to be a bigger title in people's watch lists. This shouldn't be like a campy watch. This is actually like a substantive watch. But if I if I may, I know that we're now two months removed from our Patreon bonus episode from December, wherein we reviewed all three Black Christmas movies. I would be remiss if I didn't mention a joke that I had written down and forgotten about, which was in regards to the 2019 remake, wherein I would have planned to sing, Black Christmas, I gave you my fart. It's that movie is terrible (laughs) yeah no that is really bad i don't understand what world they would think that any feminist would watch that movie and say (laughs) this is the movie we've all been waiting for so i just i I don't understand and i and you know and i don't want to be redundant here especially for our listeners and think that like this is the only thing i ever talk about because i was sort of like saddled with this feminist you know going through so we don't really need to touch on much of the feminism so much i think is that the coming of age in this movie is just, especially with both sisters, and it's really heartfelt. And even like every woman in the movie has some sort of substance, even the the bully, and you know, even the mom. And I know you, one of you, I can't remember who was talking shit about the mom, but I love the mom. I love Mimi Rogers in this. I think she's great. I think she's like her own person. And even though her daughters are kind of shitty towards her, she's still like, you know, they're still her daughters. And it's like, it's very touching. And I think that's important to show those, uh, those female familial relationships and those strong relationships, especially between women and, um, uh, the fact that Bridget, or not Bridget, Ginger's going through all of this, and Bridget's not far behind her either. They're only a year apart. And that was another thing that I was a little weirded out by, not weirded out by, but just surprised because, and that's why the mother mentions it at the dinner table to begin with, because Ginger's 16 and she still hasn't had her period. Like, I would be, as a mother, like, okay, is it here? Are we finally going to have this? Because maybe that's why we're acting so bitchy right now. Let's just... We're going to talk exactly. about your period I, then, 24-7 until you get it. Subliminal messaging, <laughs> well, right? But, I mean, and it was fair and all of that i mean it's it's a wonder that that she's never had it um but then again all she's around is her sister they isolate themselves so it's not too surprising i guess what i find super refreshing about mimi rogers is in this movie is that she yeah she's meek and yeah she's quaint and she's kind of you know but she's still hip to the jazz like she still knows that something's going on she knows that her kids are going through this And there's like a really deep part that I think a lot of people kind of laugh off where she's like, yeah, I'm going to literally burn my entire life and start over with my two daughters to make sure they're okay." And she, the daughter, Bridget's like, well, what about dad? And she's like, well, they would just blame me anyway. And it's like, yeah, dude, the demonization of women in this movie is demonstrated like very well. Because like, think about like boy puberty movies. You have 17 variations of American pie, whether it be, you know, Animal House in some ways or Porky's or whatever the fuck. Weird science where it's like, yeah, my dude almost sling this dick. But how often do you have a movie where it's like, look, my pussy's bleeding and now I'm going to rub it on people? None. And if you do, it's a horror movie. And I feel this yeah. movie, why it does so well, it's it's just done right. It's got a lot of heart. Like, I mean, just the relationships in it, just the defense of sister to sister being it. Bridget defending Ginger when she's going through all this stuff or bringing her home when she's gotten bitten by the werewolf and tending to her wounds and stuff like that. Or when the, uh, what is it, Trina, the bitch from uh, field hockey, starts messing Bridget, and then Ginger goes full, you know, and takes care of her. I think the relationships in this are really good, and I think it's a part of why this film holds up. Yeah, I agree. And, and so, yeah, I guess we can get into the uh, to the characters then. So we have Bridget Fitzgerald, played by Emily Perkins, which I did not even notice that that was uh, Beverly from Stephen King's It. Like, Close your mind, right? Yeah, a little Bevy Marsh. And I, and I, I kind of noticed it was her like i just remembered her face and she always looked like somebody but i never really bothered to google it so that was fun what's funny is she was in it but the most horrifying movie she was ever in also deals with gender identity she's the man with amanda Bynes. that is that movie is scary terrible (laughs) yeah that was a bad movie oh god or amanda Bynes too she went off the deep end she is a fascinating follow i don't know what you're talking about that is a car wreck. I will watch in slowest of motion. 
Well, that's what I meant. So yeah, that's like Lindsay um, Lohan, but like uh, just one step into the weirder and less drug dependent, which makes it fun again. Drugs are for uh, the Disney kids. She was a Nickelodeon kid, so it's you know it's the subtle difference. There we go. She's all that. Uh. <laughs> what I found like super fascinating about all these characters and all these actors is it really shows how I guess for lack of a better term, incestuous the Canadian acting scene is because everything is shot there. So everybody was in an X-Files. Everybody was in insomnia. You know, it just over and over again. So it's supernatural. Yep. Yeah, a lot of crossover. Lots of crossover, even with the director. Yeah, I always notice that with uh, anything Canadian related, which is, you know, which is fine. So like now we know, especially when they start uh, talking and you hear the the subtle little differences you're like oh yeah it's definitely canadian you see the same people so that's fine but yeah and then we have Catherine isabel who i absolutely adore from so many other things plays ginger and i know that jake said that she plays like the same character in every movie i don't know if that's, well i guess she does have that bitchy quality to her i think it's like just her face she's got a very like um, RBF, one of those yeah. faces that yeah, she could just like stare into your soul and like rip your heart out. So I get it, which is good for her. I love that about her. Um, and she's she plays the older sister, and then she's obviously the one who uh, goes through her her coming of age. So we like Catherine Isabel in this role, or I like her in this role. I don't know how you guys feel, but yeah, I definitely appreciate her. She really, how do I want to say it? She brings that energy as she goes through the transformation more and more, she amps it up at, in a proper way. She really makes the part believable. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I like her. I think that she comes across like when she tries to be sexy and alluring to me, she comes across as like petulant. Like I know that, that she's like trying to look like, Ooh la la. But she, it, it's like when a kid is like, give me my fucking attention. You prick. Like it's that kind of like, Nyeh. and so it, it isn't sexy to me. And you know, Adam, you can attest to this. I don't know about you, Adrian, but there are times when you want to hate fuck something, right? There are plenty of characters in movies where it's like, I hate you, but I would certainly consensually give you a good dicking. She does not trigger that for me at all. I'm just like, get your tail, tuck it between your legs and fuck yourself. But I think it's effective for this movie. Oh my God, the tail. Yeah, that is so bad. How do you really feel? <laughs> I know. Well, clearly, because Jake still has not seen American Mary. So he. Canadian you know, he Mary! Get on that. You are dying for your fucking team. It was written by a Canadian. It stars a. That's why I can't see it on principle, goddammit. Story. Story. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we just alienated a whole demographic. Seriously, oh my our God. four listeners from the Great White North. So I sorry, yeah. the people who found us because of my depraved obsession with hockey. You have it so much better up there. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. Enjoy your four dollar insulin, fuckers. <laughs> you haven't seen it, so if you've seen it, you might change your mind. So at some point, you need to watch it and then just let the world know. So, and then who else do we have? We have, how do you say his last name? Lemshe, 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 whatever. Lemka. It's a... Lemka. <laughs> As Sam, uh, who's got, who's kind of a creep. He's a little bit of a creeper. He is a total creep. Ginger is entirely vindicated when she's like, hey, stop trying to fuck my 15-year-old sister. And when he's like, hey, werewolf chick, don't fuck me. I'm thinking about your 15-year-old sister. I'm like, not a good guy. Really not. No. Yeah. Why is lycanthrope even, like, involved in your pickup lines yeah. to underage <laughs> girls? That's just a whole other level of weird. Yeah, no, he's a total creep. And, and like I said, I feel like a lot of movies, um, especially older movies, it's always, like, an older guy. And no one seems to really say anything about it. Like, even that Ginger addresses it, which I think is great. And this is in 2000, right? But they probably filmed it sometime before. Everyone's still okay with that kind of trope in movies, that the older guy is, like, after the, the you know, not after, but, like, you know, if you've ever seen Mermaids, for example, like, Winona Ryder sleeps with a guy from 16 Candles, and in the movie, she's 15, and he's 26, so I don't know why that was okay, and that was fine, and that was in, like, a really good movie, but apparently that that was just accepted back then, so I don't know if that has anything to do with, you know, the, the thought process on him, to make him, like, more of a bad boy, oh, and he's older, that makes him sexier, but I don't necessarily look at that and think that's okay. But I can see what younger girls might think of it. So the excuse I've often heard, you might remember 
Like my second favorite movie of all time is Labyrinth, right? And mm-hmm. Jennifer Connelly, clearly underage. David Bowie, very well endowed and obviously an adult. And so people have been like, hey, Rapey McRaperson. And I'm like, whoa, first of all, that fool is fictional. Secondly, not a dude. He's a goblin. So if anything, it's not the fact that it's statutory. It's the fact that it's interspecies. That's the gross part. And then three, he is a manifestation of her wants and desires. And the way that it is often depicted in movies that gets around the concept but still makes it fucked is if the girl wants the guy, there isn't a problem. But if the guy actively hunts the girl, then there's a problem. And that's what's weird about this is it's both and neither because he specifically was like, oh, I don't like you, but I do. And so they do a good job of just showing this is an icky, sticky situation that we just shouldn't deal with. And I mean, hmm. that's it. They make it feel awkward that that, and it feels as it it feels right that it feels awkward. Definitely. Just like butthole sex. Oh, yeah. Which I noticed uh, that Adam has. A hairy butthole in our notes. Buzz, here, I believe so he said it was fuzzy. And then uh, Adam retorted. <laughs> oh, he said that I have a squish mitten. <laughs> no, I said you're totally what? a squish mitten. No, Jake is a total squish mitten, not totally. Oh, sorry. What's sorry. And I don't. What, I don't wait, what is that? What is a squish mitten? Is that something gross? Are you like making a vagina with your face? <laughs> <laughs> And that's the quote for this episode. Are you making a vagina with your face? Great success. That's that should be the name of our board game. This is like you guys want me to talk, like lead the conversation of feminists. You guys are making vaginas and calling each other squish mittens in our notes. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? So, somebody please help me. It's femme fatale February, man. We we're at least we're not making dick jokes. We're staying on theme. We're on brand for the month. Okay, so vagina face. Vagina, vagina, vagina. Okay. So, yeah. No, but Sam, I mean, he serves his purpose in the fact that he does help her out, but I almost gets annoys me in some way that he helps out Bridget because, like, we don't need a man to save the day, ladies. Like, we don't need no man. In fact, you know what? It would have been great. And this is what I love about watching movies nowadays because I feel like, you know, these tropes seem to be more common in teen films that I watch just to, like, you know, because they're adorable and I love them. But, um... (laughs) I think if they had like somehow gotten Trina involved to where maybe Trina wasn't such a bitch, but she like inadvertently has to help them. And like, maybe she's like that plays that role that Sam could have played in the way some, some sort of way like that. Not that she gets killed off because it's, it's kind of sad. It's a little heartbreaking when she comes to, to confront Bridget because at one point she starts crying. She's like, why are you letting him do this? That is dark. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, she's right. We, you know, all of you should have come together. Fuck that guy. You guys come together and figure out how to fix this because, you know, if they don't fix it, then Bridget's going to just be loose, just like, you know, at the beginning when we have the loose monster and nobody can find it. And they're killing all the fucking dogs. Like, what is that? Well, it's a really (laughs) good point that you make because very often when you see a depiction in film where you have female antagonism towards one another and lack of reconciliation, Almost 90% of the time, it's because of a man. I don't like you mm-hmm. because you like this man. I don't like her because she likes my man or she had this or what have you. But very rarely is it in terms of status unless it's couched in the context of, let's say, how that status is perceived by a man. You know, So that internal competition. So the fact that she approaches her and she is really being very maternal, for lack of a better word. But she's saying, don't let him take this from you. And then she's a victim. It really, I think that's a, a missed opportunity there. And just like you said, the, you know, the unwilling ally is a such like a way more compelling story point, you know, because once their common goal is achieved, what do they do? Do they go back to hating each other? Are they friends? Like, that's way more interesting than like, oh, yeah, rapey dude might be patient and then have consensual sex with her in three years or. uh. Yeah, and you know he's also like it's he. I mean, he's not dumb, but he, again, he's what he's like the shady. And I don't understand. Like, if you're gonna give us a bad boy, like, why does he always have to be like this like drug dealer that hangs out at the parking lot in the high school? Like, what is that? Like the guy from the Bad News Bears on the motorcycle or whatever. Yeah, it's that very typical. And also, who the fuck is he to be holier than thou? And he's like, hey, don't smoke weed in my van that I sold you weed from, doy. Yeah, and why is it that you left it unlocked? There's a bunch of dumbass kids around. What'd you expect? I mean, they're kids. And that's another thing, too, if we want to talk. If we really want to talk about these things that, yeah, Bridget may like, may want whatever from him. 
And just because she wants it, that doesn't mean that she's psychologically developed enough to where she can understand the mistake that she's making. Because, yeah, when I was 16, if an older guy was looking at me, like, I'd get excited. Like, you know, it was always so, like, you'd always want the college guy to talk to you and, like, so you could go tell your friends about it, right? But how fucking stupid was I to feel that way? And no one, like, and this is back then, and I don't necessarily think that this is going on anymore, um, just because I'm around teenagers and now I'm just like I'm more cognizant of, you know, their behavior and how they are. But back then it was a lot easier, too, because you didn't have a smartphone on you. Nobody could track you. Your parents couldn't find you. So it was just easier for you to kind of get away with shit. Right. And so. And you couldn't internally report it like behind the scenes with the gals. and be like, Hey, this guy's a creep. You know, that mm-hmm. transparency wasn't really there. And also, there's like whole websites dedicated to like this guy's a fucking creep dot com. Mm-hmm, exactly. So he's problematic for me in this movie, and and of course the other one just as bad. Uh, and I can't even remember his name now. Jesse Tommy, Moss. Bobby, whatever. That that shithead. I was so happy that all the terrible things were happening to him. He deserved it. <laughs> you mean like when he starts to menstruate out of his penis? Yes, I love great. that. <laughs> my red pen like, broke in my pants. I know. It was- so great and and you know i love how like the whole the whole lycanthropy or is that is that right did i say that right lycanthropy when that affects lycanthropy is that better okay yeah when that happens to him it's the exact opposite like he's getting like the the pimple like bridget gets sexy and she's or not bridget i keep saying bridget ginger gets sexy and she get you know she her sex she comes into her sexuality she's very carnal and he turns into this pimple face, menstruating, on his period, all these terrible things, giddy, anxious, kind of meek character. And I like how the, his transformation is like the exact opposite of hers. And so that's nice. It's a nice little, you know, because he didn't become this hypersexualized, gorgeous guy, right? Not like Bridget. Ginger. Oh, my God. I keep saying that. <laughs> okay, that's what it is. I liked the scene where Brid- or now oh, now I'm doing it. Ginger and Jason are <laughs> in the back seat. This is contagious as lycanthropy. Oh, we're <laughs> just going to call it Bridget Snap from now on. <laughs> but uh, when Ginger and Jason are in the back seat and he's trying to tell her, hey, I'm the man. This is how it's supposed to go. Don't tell me to not get rough. I'm supposed to be the rough one. And then she just like puts him in his fucking place and gives him wolf herpes and a dick period. Yeah, dude. It's intense. Mm-hmm. A lot of other yeah. species get fucked hard. Look up hyenas. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not oh. a little male hyena. Oh no. <laughs> I never thought to look that up, but okay. Yeah, no, he he just and I don't want to say he deserves it because at that point she totally like kind of uh to I don't do we want to say he, she rates him, but she kind of does, right? Like I yeah. don't think he's being it, But that goes to show there's a huge problem where guys will st- He was asking for it though. Okay, you should have seen what he was wearing in that neighborhood. <laughs> but my point is very often like men being raped or taken advantage of or being compromised they'll take it as a badge of honor still and some form of a conquest because he still goes and brags because by bragging he's not a victim anymore even though he's bleeding out his dick so i think that's actually a really clever workaround where you get to see a it's the butt of a joke and obviously he's a, a bad character but b it shows like a, a long-standing problem which is remarkably progressive for a 20 year old movie yeah exactly oh i was just gonna say and jesse moss just plays the perfect douchebag for the part Uh, i didn't notice until i looked it up but he was also uh chad and tucker and dale versus evil oh yeah and like just top-notch douchebag it's like he just plays a good fucking asshole or a fucked in the asshole by a tail in a back seat Oh, yeah. Probably, right? Um, but yeah, and, and and that's the thing is I just feel like with this, it, it how are we supposed to feel about it? And because at the end of the day, she still, she did, you know, she did this to him. But what does she say when she gets home? She's laying down on the bed and she's like feeling like shit. And she's, he's just going to go and brag about it to his friends and everyone's going to find out. And I'm going to be the slut. And that's what she's worried about. And it, at the same time, this is true. This is what happens, and especially with kids that age. Because he pressures her before she does that to him, right? And so if she wasn't a werewolf and she came into her period and she was having like a regular coming of age, right? Or going to regular puberty and they did have sex. Imagine how he would have treated her afterwards, right? So he would have probably painted her as a slut and all of the the, the kids would be looking at her and, you know, his little stoner friends would be, you know, enthralled by it. But at the same time, it's like, it's, it's, it's really sad. It's just sad that, 
even though she's going through all these problems, she still has the mindset that, yeah, he's going to turn me into this slut and no one's going to like me, even though she didn't care what people thought of her before. But he only seeks her out after the fact because of what he's going through. He doesn't seek her Mm -hmm. out because he loves her or because he cares about her. It's because, again, he's being selfish. So it's a really great way of reinforming like, yeah, we get it. Like there's the, the rape kind of thing, but also he's still like a shit. And so I think that's a way of it gets around like the sympathetic factor, uh, the what I'm calling the Wonder Woman 1984 uh, ghost rape scenario, which I can't get over because that guy is a victim and he does not try to boast his conquest about having sex raw dog with the most powerful Amazonian, except for Linda Carter. Spoilers. To be fair, though, that guy was like I fucking Gal Gadot at the end of the movie. So I'm pretty sure he wanted it. So it was not expressed consent, implied consent. Not enough. I don't have sex even with my own wife unless she signs a contract saying I agree to this coitus. And then at the end, I make her sign another contract confirming the same. Do you keep a notary in the uh, bedroom closet? Yes. Her name is Doris. Oh, nice. Nice. She's on retainer. (laughs) She's a little person. God, I can't. I gotta go. <laughs> anyway. I'm very ADA compliant. Um, <laughs> this is why I should never post to the show. I should always just be the asshole on the side. Delete this portion, but this is uh, why, because I hate having to be the lead. I do much better just peppering you with absurdities. But keep going. It's so well, fun. No, okay. I'm sorry, but Doris has to stay now because, like, how the hell are people not going to hear about Doris? Oh, no, like, keep now, Doris, but delete me yelling about how excited <laughs> I am to just be annoying. Doris is okay. definitely staying. Are you trying to say that the rest of us are annoying during your podcast, Jake? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying that I am annoying. That I accept. I being totally annoying. am. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know where we left off. We had a brief interruption, and I did the worm for my co-hosts on my concrete studio floor. No reaction until I make a joke about being Scotty too haughty. H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Be fair, I wasn't looking at you, so there's that. <laughs> oh, what's up, buddy? I didn't know what you were doing. I wasn't even looking at the screen. All right, so might as well just go into stuff. Uh, blah, blah. Catherine Isabel was in Carrie, and Emily Perkins was in It. They're both Stephen King. I'm just going to say Stephen King five times and hope that his metadata appears in the mirror, because all of our best downloaded episodes, except for Eight-Legged Freaks, are all Stephen King-related. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, these are both, uh, well, okay. So it, obviously she was Beverly as a child, but, um, the Carrie, did anybody see that one? That's the one with, uh, what's her face, right? Yeah. I, I'd seen it. Uh, what was her name? She was in with May. May. I can't think of her yeah, name. Exactly. Yeah. Angela. Angela Bettis. Okay. That's it. Angela Bettis. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But- Catherine Isabel was in it. I believe she played the like PJ Souls role from the original. I'd seen it once. It, I, I think it was like a two part miniseries uh, on sci fi. Yeah, it was, it was all right. I tried watching it recently because I think they had a Netflix, but I'm pretty sure I fell asleep. So I didn't finish it. But, you know, I do like Angela Bettis, which the woman would be a great uh, addition to this month. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, but yeah. So, uh, any more little thing, tidbits we want to talk about? Oh. So it was directed by John Fawcett. And who wrote this? Kind of a poor man, successful Joss Whedon. Who wrote that? That was me. Uh, Just looking at the episodes of things he's directed. Like, I mean, Joss is definitely like directing Buffy. And didn't he do Dollhouse with Elijah Dushku? I believe he did that. And Mm -hmm. just like it, it, he felt like he was very much directing the same kind of TV episodes and stuff like that. Except his ex-wife didn't come out and be like, he's a shitty misogynist who fucked around on me. Yeah, I wasn't going about that aspect, more of the professional career, but yeah. Well, that's why this guy's better. Also, yeah, that's a good point. he didn't direct Age of Ultron or Justice League. Half of Justice League. I want that metadata <laughs> in our episode too, so I just got had, had to crowbar those in. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, uh, produced by Karen Lee Hall. I don't know who these people are, but I did want to touch on who wrote it. Um, Karen Walton. Because I was reading an article when I was doing my research on this and that she just kind of like had to put it together. And I thought like for the fact that she just had to throw this together, that it was pretty fleshed out. I feel like the characters are fleshed out. I feel like the storyline is good. It feels real. Yeah, it doesn't feel very rushed. And it it feels very, um, 
even though a man directs it, it does feel very feminine. And which I thought, like, I assumed that a woman directed it before I started looking at this. And so what I think is effective is Fawcett talked about wanting to do a metamorphosis film specifically starring young females. Mm -hmm. And so he creates a story, but then actually has a woman effectuated, which I think is very important because if you ever seen a movie where it's like, kids don't talk like that or you know these this demographic of people is not doing that so this actually felt like girls like obviously an antiquated trope of girls the the alt you know you're you suicide girls quite literally in this case uh, and so like those elements don't work but the fact of like girls talking to each other or girls creating like their own separate dialect or manner of speech between a small group very common mm-hmm. i got to say yeah, especially like, for that uh, yeah, especially with that time. I, I I think I was actually 16 when this came out, living in a town that looked completely similar, just a northeast town kind of thing. And I just felt like, wow, this could be my fucking high school. Like all these people, like uh, like I've been saying, the, the douchebags were very accurate. I, it's one of the things the movie does the best, I think. I think especially for the time, and I don't know if this is uh, more true for us because we were all like born around the same time. So we got into the 2000s around the same time. But it is, um, that particular time was very specific. I mean, there was specific music out. There was certain way of acting. Like, I don't really feel like these, these specific cliques exist today. And I only know that because I'm around teenagers all day. Like we really don't have the alternative goth kids, emo girls really anymore. Like it's like they disappeared. I don't know what happened or if they're just learning from home, but I don't see those kids anymore. And so it's nice to kind of go back and see all of the the little cliques that used to exist because I feel like now there's really not, um, which I think in a way is good because all the kids sort of hang out together now. They don't really necessarily stay in clicks as they were more specific back then, at least in my opinion. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. I goes to the flat earth of the digital age that I've always talked about. Like, you know, you go to the 1950s, for example, the reason why there are such archetypal you know, costumes, your, your poodle skirt, your letterman's jacket, there was not a plethora, if you will, of options. Now with the internet, I can go on to Etsy and have a custom made shirt for whatever my stupid fleeting interest is. I can go and I can find communities and stuff like that. So you can't really be counterculture modernly when there is no centrifugal, you know, culture to rebel against because then you're just being obnoxious. And there are plenty of kids like that. Like if you look at a lot of TikTok people, it becomes this echo chamber for some of like the shittiest people because they finally find somebody who's resonating and it gets them that kind of aggravating attention which used to get when we would just be like hey my hat is on my head but it's backwards fuck your establishment oh yeah you pop the collar remember that (laughs) or if you're jesse moss you pull multiple collars in tucker and dale don't forget that yeah seriously the double collar (laughs) oh oh my god oh yeah i think dan was one of those but don't tell him i told you that what I always joke, like, if we had met, like, as we were younger, probably would not have met oh, Verbatim. That's, we, my wife and I have that conversation all the time because we did go to the same high school and same college, uh, at least junior college. And I thought that she was gorgeous. She didn't know I existed. Now, the fun thing is, if we would have met then, I would not have two kids at all. I would be very lonely and this show would have a very different dour tone where I'd be begging for all the alt girls on Instagram to give me their affections. But because I was just in the right copacetic time, it worked out. So guys, what I'm telling you is just give up for now and then come back to it in 10 years and then it'll be the right time maybe or you'll die alone. Who cares? No, I'm living proof. You can find your weirdo and do just fine. My wife and I were both hot topic kids from start to finish. We're still weird as fuck. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but like you guys had the, the same interests. Yeah, and that's true. But like, I, I would say Dan and I are like the complete opposite, like in every sense of the word. Like we don't listen to the same music. We, sure. he just dresses like whatever yeah we don't listen to the same like we don't we don't dress the same Check. he obviously doesn't really care for horror Check. um he That's doesn't he, yeah he loves sports and i could give two shits unless Check. like it's ufc where i'm watching people beat the shit out of each other which is so fun um uh but you know just like and he's just very numbers kind of guy and i'm more creative so i don't know i don't have a check there 
but four right out of five brain, is left still brain pretty... kind of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm an English major and he's a math major. So, you know, there you go. Like there's, there's like just everything opposite. But again, if we were younger, we wouldn't like each other. We're adults now. And this is, goes back to the movie, right? These are all kids and they're acting that way. And this is why I think Bridget Ginger. Oh my God. Why can't I like fucking say her name? And it's the name of the goddamn movie. This Bridget, is why Ginger Bridget. Bridget, I know. <laughs> But this is why I think Ginger sort of reacts the way that she does too, because she's going through puberty. She's only 16. She doesn't like, There's, and I don't want to say these girls are idiots, but the whole suicide talk at the beginning, and she's telling her sister that she has to hang herself, like you should hang and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like thinking like, but were you not doing really even goth if you didn't have a suicide pact? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I was goth. That's what I mean. It ages incredibly well and incredibly terribly because it is so quaint and like silly, but it is a an mm-hmm. accurate representation of what these kids were doing at that time. And that's one of the things I don't know that this movie will age as well as something like Carrie because it's such an alienating, very specific, nuanced culture of people, which I will say as a member of like an alt community with black hair and black nails, I'm glad it doesn't fucking exist anymore because it's incredibly toxic. You have this exclusionary language and, you know, the aggrandizing of self-defeatist mentalities and mutilation, almost wearing it as a badge of pride and all this stuff. And this shows the toxicity of it where you're literally metamorphosing into a blathering monster. And still, I'm a little worried about the self-inflicted mutilation more so than that. And that's a pretty different thing. But yeah, again, it's very indicative of the time. And I, I like the fact that they're very close, but you also see that there's a very like sinister kind of motive behind why each of them, quote unquote, say they want, or not while each of them, why Ginger wants to commit suicide versus why Bridget does, because Bridget wants to do that so they can stay together, right? But Ginger does not like Ginger wants to do it because she wants to know what people are going to think. She's more worried about what people, how people are going to like look at her when she's dead. And I think that shows you like just how different these two girls are because while yes, they have a great relationship, Ginger is very selfish. She's very out for her own. And she does, even though she likes to pretend that no one cares about her, she actually does care what people think. She's worried about how they're going to view her when they find her dead body. Completely agree. It's selfish versus selfless. You have one person who lacks a sense of identity, so they're adopting the other. You have one who is so selfish, she doesn't care about the ramifications of what it's doing to her sister or her family or what have you. It's all about the attention she is getting, which she is acting as though, oh, don't. You know, I love this scene mm-hmm. with her and her mom where her mom was like, hey, you want to go for a drive? And she's like, get out. And she's like, are you bloody? And pe- get out of here. And it's just so funny because it's like, <laughs> On a level, you know, she wants that attention. She needs that. Like, it's just goading her parents. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, just the way that she, like, when she swore at her mom at the table, I'm like, that is my kid. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. But, you know, she does that for exactly for the attention. She doesn't care if it's negative or positive. Like, she wants to see people's reactions. And it's interesting because Bridget is the exact opposite. She stays quiet. She sits there. She's always listening. And so while they're the same age and they like the same things, these two people could not be any different from each other. So, Which is why pretentious actors are always like, what's my motivation in this scene? Because these girls are doing the same thing, but for entirely different motives. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and let's look at some fun facts. We'll be a little bit more positive about this movie for a second. I'm not sure who wrote this. Was it Jake? Oh, which part? We already did that. Oh, we did? Okay, perfect. All right. So, uh, I hope we're not coming off as that we hate this movie. I think this is actually one of the better horror movies in the very dry period that was early 2000s horror. Agreed. What's great about this movie is even where it fails, it creates a great talking point. So, I don't know if there's anything else that we've done this year that's as emblematic of my merit badge system of like, I, every movie I've seen in horror, I'm happy to have seen it, even if it's something I didn't like, like Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust or Cannibal Ferox, because I can apply those discussions to other things and have that comparative basis like this. Where it fails, I can still look at something else like Brotherhood of the Wolf and be like, well, I mean, these guys are cool, but they're not Bridget and Bridget, according to Adrian. <laughs> I just want to say Bridget. Okay, sorry. Oh my god, I can't believe I kept missing that up. But anyway, one of the things that's so great about these actresses—they're lives paralleled so much—they might as well have been fucking siblings. 
They auditioned on the same day. They were born in the same hospital. They went to the same preschool, elementary school, and private school, and they worked through the same talent agency. So there you go. Maybe they're not acting. Maybe they're just living out life. And maybe they're really terrible actresses. Maybe they really are werewolves. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. Well, that's really nice that they they have that because you do feel some sort of, what is it, a bond between them. They have really good chemistry together. So I think that helps. Somewhere, somebody wrote that they're like a couple of years apart, which I thought was really interesting. No yeah, um, the Bridget skips a grade. Uh, Emily Perkins is actually four years older than Catherine Isabel, but she plays the younger sister by a year. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool, pretty cool. They do a good job with that because Ginger is so... Catherine Isabel plays Ginger is very, you know, domineering. Just the very, like, what is the what is the word I'm looking for? She just wants to, you know, control and be in control in the relationship. Whereas, you know, Bridget plays the meek little sister. So I think that they do a good job at showing that. They considering they're so far apart in age. Yeah, definitely portray Ginger as more developed, like vastly more developed and yeah like you said Bridget's very meek I mean just her whole wardrobe like just helps cover her up so much more than Ginger mm-hmm. we can talk about that too sure. the whole shedding of the chrysalis as you have Ginger go from like I'm wearing 17 sweaters on top of my sweaters to like look at my tchotchkes in my little tight shirt and look at my midriff and we haven't touched on the silver belly button ring, which if there isn't anything more early 2000s hot topic, I don't know what is. <laughs> Nailed it. That's the scariest part of the movie where she I just know. rips it out haphazardly and you're like, what the fuck? Oh, that's so nasty. Oh, the fact that they did it in the bedroom even, I can't even, like, I'm just watching this. Like, what are they doing? Have you ever seen Why? Senseless, the Marlon Wayans movie when he rips out Matthew Lillard's belly button ring. No, there's a great sound effect that goes with no. it. You have to see it. Oh, never oh my god, out. ew, for Matthew Lillard Ugh. has hit the key to the apartment on his be- belly button ring, and so he's like getting impatient. He's like, Oh, give me that, and rips it out. And he's like, Ah, and falls down. Oh my god, yeah, dude, it's great. Matthew Lillard's career isn't just shaggy SLC punk and scream, guys. Come on, oh, my oh yeah, god. dude, hackers, man. Oh, I really like him in uh, 13 Ghosts for some reason. He's just ridiculous. Uh, he's fantastic. He was in uh, he was in Twin Peaks: The Return, and it's like head exploded. He was in uh, he's in this uh, that Good Girls show now. He's he's still getting working. He's always fantastic, and he's great with fans. I know. Too. Mm. Oh, I love that. But you know, so well, I guess going into that, we could talk about the special effects because most of them are practical, right? So that's nice. Yeah, the exact opposite of the Scooby Doo movies for sure. Yeah, well, no, no, well, obviously, but I, especially around that time, a lot of things were CGI, which is why a lot of the movies from the early 2000s suck, right? Because the CGI was shitty back then. It's yeah. still kind of so shitty. shitty. I always get into the topic when it comes to early 2000s CGI of, you know, it, it's just the Jurassic Park. They were so worried if they could, they didn't think if they should. And it's like, just because mm-hmm. you can't, it doesn't mean that it's going to be marvelous forever. It wasn't even really marvelous at the time. It was a novelty. And that's something that I think a lot of people misconstrue is we watched those and we're like, oh, this isn't good now. But it was just how it was done. It was kind of a unique trick. But now, like, you watch, fuck, my kid watches Vampirina on Disney. And I'm like, the effects on this Vampirina. are... I say it Vampirina because it sounds like vagina. I'm trying, this is Women in Horror Month. I have to be more representative of the fairer sex. Uh, but my point is, is like, those effects are way better. And... I just have a really hard time with a lot of this stuff. And sure, the effects in this are a little hokey. Like everything looks jelly, but I would rather have this than the alternative. Because think about American Werewolf in Paris came out around this time, and those look like fucking Saiyans. Those things are fucking dicked. Yep. They're penises, which shows why. Because down with men, that's what I say. Adrian's converted me like she's trying <laughs> to do our entire audience. Uh, Another thing, now bringing up American Werewolf in Paris, uh, the early 2000s was a hairless werewolf time, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking gross. I'm all about like a a, a trimmed werewolf, but you don't have to scorch the earth, right? Seriously. It's so cold. It's probably like who can make the best werewolf, right? Like who can make the, the best, newest, like awesome looking werewolf? And I feel like there's so many variations of so many different ones. And I don't know if anybody has any favorite. The only favorite I could think of is uh, obviously American Werewolf in London, but you know we're we're not talking about Objection. men. Objection! Objection! So I had a note 
that I put in because Joe Dante said this movie is great and John Landis said this movie is good. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. If you take the werewolf from The Howling and put it into American Werewolf in London and American Werewolf in London, I got it correct. Don't fuck with me. If you put it into that movie and keep that transformation, that's the best werewolf of all time because you get the cool, I'm scary, I'm, I'm leering and huge versus I am clearly a robot that is walking on four legs slowly. Only failure of that movie, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, dog soldiers. Not bad. Had some solid werewolves. Not I bad. feel. I think they were up there with the howling werewolves. Yeah, I will say this. I will admit the Hugh Jackman Van Helsing is terrible, but I've always loved that werewolf transformation where he's like, "Fuck this skin! I want my fur underneath." I imagine that's how furries coming out. That's what they do. Or uh, like Trick or Treat had something very similar. That werewolf transformation scene was pretty fucking sick. Oh, that was so good. I mean, there is a little bit of CGI in it, but they do such a good job with it. And even Dan loved that movie. He thought that yeah. movie was great. So. Trick, or, Trick or Treat is a masterpiece. I, uh, I, I I think they did that really well. There was a bit of CGI in the transformation. Smooth the edges. And I think that's always how it should be. Like, always go practical and assist with CGI with what you can't fully do. Yeah, for sure. And that's a great, that's a really great trend. And, and they're all female and they're showing their female agency. They are out there trying to, like, I love how the entire trope of their storyline is that, you know, it sounds like she's trying to lose her virginity, but she's not losing her virginity. She's like, you know, about to eat somebody, which I think is She's great. eating a motherfucker. I know, I love it. Have you guys ever seen The Company of Wolves from the 80s? That is a gnarly werewolf transformation where the wolf comes out of the person's mouth. Oh, that was on my watch list. I just saw about that movie. I'd never seen it, but that's one I need to check out. Um, and then, of course, you, know, you have Underworld, which is, oh God, that's awful. More like underwhelming, no, am I right? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I like the film. I don't think that the lichens are very uh, well. They're CGI though, too. I don't liken those lichens. I don't liken the lichens here. So, I mean, they're pretty sexy when they're like turning back into naked men but you know that's about it so. it's naked men hallelujah i know and the werewolves <laughs> naked men can we talk about this like bestiality. so we're talking about the transformations and the stuff and her sprouting a tail and, and the all this what can we talk about how this movie features the deafest parents of all time because everything that these girls go through it's like Stop! I'm sawing off my chain. It's like the guy at the end of Saw, and they're screaming. And I'm like, "Your parents are in this same county. Like, they have yeah. to hear some of this, right?" Ginger's a screamer too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think at the same time too, are they? They're in the basement, and also the parents are going through their own shit right now. So I don't want to say that they don't pay attention to the girls because they actually eat dinner together. I don't know a lot of families who do that. So they actually do eat dinner with their, with their kids to kind of check in, which I think is nice, but you know, they mentioned the The father's useless. He probably doesn't give a shit, doesn't help out, which I, I totally understand. So it's like, you know, they're going through their own problems. So they're probably fighting about whatever there is they're fighting about. So I could see why, why they would, you know, just, oh, they heard their daughter scream. Nobody's broken into the house. Okay, fuck it. I'm just going to go back to my own thing kind of deal. I don't know. Yeah, because they like even the mentioned the, the mother and father talking about uh, the, the couple's counseling or marital counseling at the dinner table and stuff. So, I mean, that does add something to it to where, like, oh, yeah, maybe they're just off the therapist again. Okay, fine. I'll I'll do it. I'll mention Monster Squad. I wasn't going to do it because of the werewolf transformation, but they stole that plot point. From Sean's parents, it's so obvious. This is 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 garbage trash that you would steal. Parents going through something and, and counseling. God damn it! <laughs> <sighs> you almost thought you made it through an episode. We're over an hour into recording, and you're like, ah, oh, the sigh of relief. And you <laughs> jinxed yourself. I had to mention it. The fucking fanboy is real. It's like we need to make a little like note on our notes, like. Topics not to touch on, so Jake doesn't mention Monster Squad. If you mention carbon-based life, I will mention Monster Squad, just as an <laughs> FYI. <laughs> I can't. Um, but yeah, so uh, there was one interesting thing that has nothing to do with Monster Squad, but I, did, I didn't realize like how long it would take to do all of her prosthetics, especially when she gets to the party. So I feel like that's like the perfect area for her. Like when she's transformed enough when she gets to the party at the end, like 
totally hot, like still kind of looks like a person, not quite the animal yet. Like she's kind of in the middle and it was like seven hours to do that. I'm like, oh my God, because I didn't really feel like there was a lot, but I felt like it, I felt like it drove the point home. So I don't know how you guys feel about her looking that particular way. I mean, it wasn't full furry. So, you know, I'm still, I'm still yeah. thumbs up. I had boobs. I'm mm. fine. Yeah. Extra okay, nipples, yeah. maybe. Well, I mean, it's nice. Because- mm, exactly. I don't need a bigger Switch size. You know, I, my hands are only so big. I don't need a bigger size. I just need more of them. You know, that way from any yeah, position, I get, everywhere. I get two boobs, any position I'm in. I'm in werewolf Puts style. On I got back, it. Like in society. <laughs> Reverse wolf girl. I got it. There's something there for everybody. You know, nipples on her knees. Uh, that would have been great. That's why I've always preferred the lady from uh, Total Recall. One extra nipple. Oh, need extra oh my hands, God. <laughs> That's so gross. Anyway. But it's actually like, I feel like Jennifer's body, and I don't know if this is true because I don't, I didn't really do any research on Jennifer's body except that I've seen it, but I feel like it kind of steals some of the the look or the aesthetic of how Ginger looks at that point when Jennifer's transforming and that movie as well. I don't know if you guys agree, disagree. That just because Megan Fox has like a resting squint face, I don't think she's acting, but I can see the comparison. (laughs) You know, she just kind of always like, eh, eh. Like she's trying to not look like she's smelling her own fart at a party. Like, eh, it's not me. Eh, who dealt that? Well, I don't mean Eyes like watering. her per se. I mean the look of her when she is not human anymore. Oh. And I know a lot of it's CGI in her body. I'm talking about the aesthetic, not her acting. I mean, we know she's not the best. So. Yeah, it's kind of hard, though, to do like a body transformation and still be meant to be alluring. You still have to have very feminine features, very angular. Like if she became bulbous, that's like the opposite of what usually we would consider sexy, except for Adam and I are clearly in the in the bulbous, more boobs group, right? Like the more bulbous, so long as there's a nipple at the end of it, the happier I am. It's like boils and pustules of milk. It's accentuating the right feature. Yeah. There we go. See? You know, you can make the eyes so big before it will... Yeah get turned off you know i'm I'm so glad i grabbed a drink for this i'm just so glad (laughs) (laughs) so i want to talk about so you had mentioned your article i want to mention mine so there's this gal barbara creed she's a professor of cinema studies at the school of culture and communication at the university of melbourne and she's awesome she's written articles on aliens and vampires and the effect of menstruation and treating women as objects even as they're a monster and so basically she does this whole and i'll read it here the monstrous feminine as femme animal argues that the anthropological machine that makes women monstrous through her reproductive and bodily functions does so through a process of biological determinism. However, when a woman then elects to pursue her own pleasures, i.e. flicking the bean, and to align herself with the animal, as in she's starting to enjoy it. It's not the fact that she's a werewolf that concerns Bridget. It's the fact that she starts to like it, you'll remember, even if only in representation. She exposes not just its androcentrism but also the inherent phallocentrism of the machine you'll remember bridget is most disgusted first and foremost by the phallic tail that erupts from ginger's butt well to be fair that tail is fucking gross in all forms dude that's like a naked mole rat yeah yeah growing out of your ass like like, taping it to her leg i'm like ew what does it feel like and she's touching it It reminds Uh, me of shallow hell with jason alexander Little fucking oh my God, like <laughs> We've all been to enough Renaissance fairs to have seen like women with their fake furry tails, and sometimes it's attached to a butt plug. I don't know. I'm not judging. I'm not telling you what to do. Yeah, but like the furry one, plugged in, it, it fucking bothers me a lot less than this like weird thing. It's gross. Uh, it does kind of wiggle a little bit too. I'm like, oh no. I love how Adam did his hair. <laughs> I just woke up like this. Very Vidal Sassoon. <laughs> I'm a walking mailing commercial or some shit. Maybe he's born with it. Maybe he inherited it from a rubber monster that got hit by a van. (laughs) Hey, that's lycanthrope. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. So I thought that this was a really good start to the whole femme fatale theme of this month. So I don't, I mean, I hope. Sorry. We can go a couple extra minutes. You have a whole point about how is this femme fatale? Why don't you take that and then we'll end out. Okay, well, we have a strong female presence. And I was arguing before that if we're going to do femme fatale, I thought that it was important to not because we were discussing whether or not ready or not was femme fatale. So for example, yeah, it is because she's like kicking ass, but that's every 
horror movie, right? We usually have a woman kicking ass. I'm talking about a woman that's sort of antagonistic, right, in a way. And so I love the fact that Ginger's going through body horror, that there's an internal struggle struggle with her sister, that she's inherently turns into this evil thing by the end, like she's killing people left and right. She's hurting her sister. So I really feel like that she belongs in that category. So that's why I feel like if we're going to do these movies, like let's find these characters that inherently become something just as bad as any man could be. Does that make any sense? Is that okay? Or or do we defend Ginger's actions? Can you defend like how she is by the end? Probably. Well, there's this movie that came out recently. Uh, It's called Wonder Woman 1984. And it also involves a woman becoming something of a a feline. And it's not a wolf, but it, it is a furry person. And so she just starts kicking the shit out of people because you know, and it's, she's not like doesn't go quite far enough, and she's not obviously reserved enough to be a good person. And I found that to be fucking annoying. Whereas in this, maybe because I juxtaposed it with Chitara from Wonder Woman, I actually thought this was pretty good. I thought that it escalated well. It made sense. You know, she starts to develop a bloodlust. She isn't inherently evil. Yeah. So, and and which I think is important because this is a metamorphosis. I guess if you could say someone who's coming into coming of age and it's paralleling with the whole you know period thing oh god i said it again um but i just wanted to say one last thing about it was uh, a quote that i found from a uh an article titled bloody fun the menstrual horror of ginger snaps is that blood becomes the conduit for expressing femininity within the narrative not just consequence of physical violence so i think we need to think about that when we're looking at movies that express the whole femme fatale theme yes no maybe so I think if the context fits it, I think this movie, like, as you were saying, did use blood in a very different way. I mean, there there weren't even that many kills in it. I mean, there were probably more dead dogs than people in this. But, uh, yeah, interesting use of blood. I'd say there's a couple couple ways to bring about uh, uh, telling a good femme fatale story. Okay, well, what about this next quote that I have? I'm just paraphrasing here the quote, but films such as Ginger Snaps give its titular female character supernatural abilities at the height of her sexual transformation, strengthening the female urge and dominance over the opposite sex. Or if you're a predatory lesbian like Anna Ferris is in May, the same sex. Well, funny enough, they even accuse Bridget of being a lesbian in the sequel. She could be. I don't think she's a predatory lesbian, though. Let's just be. No. But I think the fact that it always frustrates me that it, like a woman is never allowed to be to avail herself of a man, but for cheating, basically. Right. Either you look at The Force Awakens and oh, Adam Driver can't be bested. He had to be shot in the tummy by a bowcaster, which if you know your Star Wars video games, one of the strongest weapons you can have. Or it's that she's like differently strong, right? The, the, here she's abnormally strong. So God forbid she could take advantage of a man half her size in the backseat of a car. It's, a, it's very frustrating in that regard, which I, I can appreciate, but also... You know, one of the things that there's a cognizable lack of in horror is like a female slasher who's just like, hey, I'm a female and I'm a slasher. It's always like, oh, I have the spirit of telekinetic dead sperm and blue. Because if you go to Carrie, the only reason she has telekinesis is because of her fucking dad, which is how you get the rage Carrie too. So again, her powers are directly compared to a man. Let's just have a woman be awesome. How about this? We have a movie where the Y chromosome is like a virus and you find out that men are the disease and we like and women are just like not weaker and they kill us all that way i think that's terrifying that's i love that but you know what i mean like because you can attest to this how many movies have you seen where there's a female killer where it's like oh but she had to drug the guy first or but this it's not just like hey she has a knife he doesn't duh well, you know, some people think that uh, women just aren't powerful enough to do certain things. I mean, we have an entire TV series called Snapped, right? So I think women are very capable of these heinous things just as men are. And I don't think just because they're smaller or considered the fair sex or weaker that they have to do special things to get around it. I feel like if someone wants to get something done, if someone wants to kill you, they're going to do it. I don't think it matters if they're a man or a woman or a werewolf, I guess, and Ginger's case. I want an eight-part female-led slasher series that slowly descends into madness, sequel by sequel. Like, give the world that. It'll be fun, you know? For sure. Yeah, so I guess this uh, brings us to the end or the closing of our Ginger Snap. We got some snaps, everybody. This is officially a Ginger Snap. 
Oh. Yeah, I have no soul. For those of you who've never actually seen us, Adam has red hair. Don't know if we let you know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This whole episode's going to make oh, so much more sense now. Oh, so go ahead and listen to it again, but make sure you listen to it on a different platform so we get an extra download from it so we can help our numbers. So it looks like we're at the end of this goddamn episode, and uh, I think that this was a lot of fun. Obviously, we got to heckle and jekyll with Adrian. She did a killer job. You should look at the notes. There's a lot of stuff that she touched on that we didn't even get to go into. So uh, it maybe be a Patreon patron. We'll just give you our notes, and you can copy and paste it into like some term paper for your shitty community college who cares plagiarism's fluid but adam you work a lot on shirts and shit for this uh, podcast you know where people could buy those yeah that would be redbubble.com slash slashers pod Ooh, very nice just slashers pod not slashers podcast slashers pod so go ahead and cast your vote for i don't know something whatever you can also reach out to us at slashers bot on virtually every platform and you can leave us reviews if you leave us a good review i will read it on the air and i will do whatever stupid accent you so choose how about that so we'll check back in a week when nobody's left a review and i will not do that so adrian where can we find you on the interwebs you can find me on instagram at pathologically ade and adam where can i find you you can find me on Instagram at otherboy underscore art. Uh, got a lot of stuff coming up there, especially slashers related media. Ooh. So stay tuned. You can find me at Gacy Jones or at the general slashers pod page, because that's all I do with what little free time I have. That's allowed to me because I do a bunch of stupid shit for these goons. And I guess Doug, wherever he's floating around. My name is Jake saying goodbye. And good die.